The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, March 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Equities tumble as stock markets from Europe to Asia head for bear markets. Oil soars on the prospect of a U.S. ban on Russian supplies. Gold rallies to top $2,000 an ounce. And more companies join the effort to cut ties with Russia. Former New York Governor Cuomo is hinting at a political comeback. Plus, Vice President Harris marks the bloody Sunday anniversary in Selma. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Rare win for the Knicks. They beat the Clippers in L.A. The Nets lost in Boston. The Rangers won in Winnipeg. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and global stocks tumbling again to start the week. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 74 points. Dow futures down 554, and NASDAQ futures down 243. 10-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 1.72%, and the yield on the two-year, 1.47%. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have more on the sell-off in a minute. But first, the latest developments in the war in Ukraine. Russia says it has a Agreed to a ceasefire to open up humanitarian corridors in some cities. But Ukraine says Moscow is still shooting near the capital, Kiev, and near the port city of Mariupol, where about 200,000 civilians are trapped. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is pleading with the U.S. and Europe for a no-fly zone. If you don't impose a no-fly zone, if you at least don't give us planes so that we can defend ourselves, then there can be only one conclusion. You also want us to be slowly killed. This is the responsibility of world's politicians, Western leaders, today and forever. President Zelensky spoke with U.S. President Joe Biden over the weekend. A third round of talks between Ukraine and Russia is set for today. Meantime, Nathan, the U.S. is planning to send more aircraft to Ukraine. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S. is actively talking with NATO countries about getting help in. That gets a green light. In fact, we're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to 
provide these fighter jets to to the Ukrainians. So the U.S. would be directly and indirectly helping. This, as he says, the world should expect a long war there. And Russian President Vladimir Putin says that he will not end the invasion until Ukraine agrees to all of his demands. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Russia finds itself increasingly isolated, but China this morning is declaring ties with Moscow to be, quote, rock solid, despite President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. China's foreign minister is also accusing the U.S. of trying to build a new version of NATO in the Pacific. Nathan, energy markets are in focus this morning. Sources say the White House is considering whether to prohibit Russian oil imports to the U.S. It's considering a unilateral move without the participation of allies in Europe, at least initially. Secretary of State Antony Blinken discussed the plans on CNN. We are now talking uh, to our European partners and allies to look uh, in a coordinated way uh, at the uh, prospect of banning the import of Russian oil uh, while making sure that there is uh, still an appropriate supply of oil on, on world markets. That's a very active discussion as we speak. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with his Israeli counterpart today to discuss the situation in Ukraine, among other matters. Well, following those comments from Secretary Blinken, Karen, we saw oil soar to just shy of $140 a barrel. Right now, Brent crude is at $124.85, while West Texas Intermediate's at $122.59 a barrel. Other commodities are also rallying. Gold futures jumped above $2,000 an ounce for the first time in more than 18 months, while copper and palladium hit all-time highs. Nickel spiked as much as 30 while wheat slammed the daily upward limit for the sixth day in a row. While commodities are surging, Nathan, stocks are selling off around the world. We're seeing some of the biggest drops in Europe. And let's head to London and get the very latest from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen Nathan. Major stock markets from Europe to Asia heading for bear markets today, falling more than 20% from their highs. That's amid fears of an inflation shock and perhaps a growth shock in the world economy as crude soars on the prospect of a ban on Russian supplies. Banks, car makers and retailers leading losses today. Defence companies gaining energy and mining stocks, the only sectors in the green today around Europe. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thanks. We also saw heavy selling in Asia overnight. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index was on course for a bear market, a drop of more than 20% from its February 2021 peak. Japan's Nikkei 225 Index had its worst session in a year, falling to November 2020 levels. Hong Kong stocks falling to July 2016 lows. China's CSI 300 entered further into bear market territory, falling for the fourth straight session. This despite a policy statement from the National People's Congress over the weekend, which failed to offer meaningful support for the market. In Singapore, Julia Sali blew Bloomberg Daybreak. Julia, thank you. As stocks sell off, more analysts are downgrading their outlooks for U.S. equities. We get the latest forecast live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Yardani Research predicts the S&P 500 will drop another 8% to about 4,000 by the end of the year. Chief Investment Strategist Ed Yardani says a recession cannot be ruled out given that jump in oil prices. Evercore ISI says the S&P could fall as low as 3,700. Chief Equity Strategist Julian Emanuel says that a drop of about 15% from Friday's close could trigger action from the Federal Reserve to help stabilize markets. Before the war, the median S&P target for strategists was around 5,000. Now it's at about 4,300. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. As the war in Ukraine intensifies, the list of companies cutting ties with Russia is growing. Let's get that from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. 
Netflix, TikTok, Samsung, and credit card operators are the latest to either cut ties or review their operations in Russia. Netflix, which has been available in Russia since 2016, has under 1 million customers in the country. Over the weekend, Visa and MasterCard also said they were suspending operations in Russia. Each gets about 4% of its net revenue from business linked to Russia. And yesterday, American Express said it was suspending its operations in Russia and Belarus. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. S&P futures now down 76 points. Dow futures down 579, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 255 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 1.72%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 61 degrees in Central Park. We got an accident in Bedford. It's southbound Route 684 to exit 4. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo appeared to be hinting at a political comeback in remarks at a Brooklyn church on Sunday. The Democrats said he acknowledged his behavior wasn't appropriate, but decried the political sharks in Albany who used sexual harassment accusations to, in his words, effectively overturn an election. Probably no. I've gone through a difficult period the past few months. I resigned as governor. The press roasted me. My colleagues were ridiculed. My brother was fired. It was ugly. It was probably the toughest time of my life. Cuomo resigned in August, days after an independent probe concluded he sexually harassed 11 women. It's the next chapter for New York City about the COVID pandemic. Starting today, the city is dropping several mandates, including masks in schools and vaccination requirements for businesses. Also today, restaurants will no longer ask for proof of vaccination before entering. Meanwhile, COVID-19 deaths are about to hit the 6 million mark in the world. It is another tragic reminder about the deadliness of the pandemic, even as masks are dropping and businesses are reopening around the globe. The U.S. is nearing 1 million deaths alone. Vice President Kamala Harris was in Selma, Alabama, to mark the anniversary of a defining moment in the fight for equal voting rights. On March 7, 1965, white state troopers beat and tear-gassed black voting rights marchers attempting to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Harris vowed to push for federal legislation that guarantees voting rights. Across the country, states passed anti-voting laws. Laws that ban drop boxes and restrict early voting. Vice President Harris says the bravery of those 57 years ago is a reminder that freedom and democracy can never be taken for granted. Seven people are dead after tornadoes swept through central Iowa. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds talked about the hundreds of volunteers who showed up to help. We show up, we take care of our family, we take care of our neighbors. And we take care of our community. Governor Reynolds says the deadly tornado had winds of up to 165 miles an hour. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Nathan Nix in L.A. They jumped in front of the second quarter, outscoring the Clippers 34-18. to Forgive Nick fans if they were not celebrating yet. During this stretch of seven straight losses, 16 losses in the last 19 games, Nick's had sizable leads seemingly every game. They kept blowing the leads this time. They did not. They beat the Clippers 116-93. R.J. Barrett, 24 points. Emmanuel Kickley had 
21, the coach, Tom Thibodeau. From the all-star break on, we played well in the Miami game. We played well in both Philadelphia games. We played well. We don't have anything to show for it. That's the unfortunate part. We didn't close it out. Right? And, and tonight we, we played well from start to finish. And so hopefully we can build on it. They play tonight in Sacramento. Chance for their first two-game winning streak in almost two months. As for the Nets, couldn't stop Jason Tatum in Boston. He poured in 54 points. He had 34 in the second half. Red Hot Celtics won 126 to 120. They've won 14 of their last 16 while the Nets have lost. 17 of their last 20 and have dropped under 500. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 37, went over 25,000 career points, 23rd in NBA history to do that. Solid win for the Rangers, two goals in the first period, two more in the third. They won 4-1 at Winnipeg. Pair of goals for Chris Kreider, numbers 37 and 38. Baseball players made a concession in an effort to end the lockout, giving their blessing to rule changes like a pitch clock and a reduction of shifting, but the economic issues remain. In fact, MLB says the two sides are now further apart. Another week's worth of regular season games may soon get canceled. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are down 71 points. Dow futures down 541. NASDAQ futures lower by 247 points. Ten-year Treasury little changed at 1.73% yield. West Texas Intermediate crude up 6.1% at $122.70 a barrel. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, increasing clouds, showers, and thunderstorms today with a high near 70 degrees. Mostly sunny, breezy, cooler tomorrow, upper 40s for highs, mid-40s by Wednesday. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Try IBKR Global Analyst today at IBKR.com slash GA. Major stock markets from Europe to Asia are heading for bear markets, falling more than 20% from highs amid fears of an inflation shock as crude oil soars on the prospect of a ban on Russian supplies. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down about 80 points. Dow futures down 595. NASDAQ futures down 262. That's down 1.9%. The DAX in Germany is down 3.3%. The 10-year Treasury little change at 1.73%. Yield on the two-year, 1.47%. NYMEX crude oil is up 5.8%, up $6.70 at $122.38 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.9%, or $36.80 at $2,003.40. 40 cents an ounce. The euro, 1.0831 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3145. The yen is at 115.06. And Bitcoin this morning is moving lower at $38,150. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Vladimir Putin said again the war will continue until Ukraine accepts his demands and halts resistance, dimming hopes for a negotiated settlement. Meanwhile, a representative for Kiev has urged the United Nations top court to order Russia to halt its devastating invasion of Ukraine. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics beat the Nets 126-120. The Wizards won. In the NHL, the Devils beat the Blues in overtime 3-2. The Rangers won. 
Major League Baseball reacted angrily to the latest offer by locked-out players when bargaining resumed yesterday. Management accused the union of backtracking and showing no sign of a breakthrough to get the derailed season back on track. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. We're coming up to 620 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Will Kennedy is with us now, Bloomberg News Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities, as we look at this huge rally in oil, natural gas, and other commodities this morning. Will Good morning. When the uh, trading started overnight, we saw that big spike uh, just on the prospect of the U.S. making a move on Russian oil and gas. What's the feeling in the market about where these oil prices could go from here? Good morning, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Yes, what happened uh, is that uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said yesterday that the U.S. was considering an embargo on U.S. oil imports. Now, the U.S. itself uh, imports relatively little Russian oil, but I think it's making traders very fearful that this is going in one direction and that a range of countries are likely to uh, impose sanctions on Russian energy supplies. And don't forget that Russia exports uh, 5 million barrels a day of crude, another 3 million barrels a day of oil products. It would have a huge impact on the global market if that's what's to happen, creating the prospect of uh, considerable undersupply. And that's why we got this extreme uh, spike this morning. Now, it's come back down a bit since. Uh, it still remains at very elevated levels, above, well above $120 a barrel here in London. Um, but the future trajectory really depends on what those uh, sanctions on oils look like if they materialize. Even if they don't materialize, though, if we have this concern in the market that uh, there could be destabilization, does the run-up in prices sort of become a self-fulfilling prophecy? I think that's an extremely important point you make, Nathan. What we've seen since the Russian invasion of Ukraine is that a lot of people in the oil market have been very wary of buying Russian oil at all. And there are several reasons for that. Most importantly, the prospect of getting involved in or embroiled in uh, tougher sanctions. Uh, secondly, there's been a reluctance by banks to finance trade in Russian oil. And thirdly, a lot of people think it's inappropriate to buy Russian oil considering what's going on in Ukraine. And you put that all together and we've got somewhat as a buyer strike. So we're getting this supply shortfall in any case. But as politicians amp up the rhetoric, as they say more sanctions are coming, that becomes more acute. At the same time, we have seen uh, major oil companies like Shell buying Russian oil at pretty steep discounts in the run up here, uh, even before sanctions potentially could be put in place. When we have Russian oil being uh, being sold at a major discount compared to Brent and West Texas Intermediate, what kind of impact does that have? Well, this is a very interesting case, Shell. They, as you say, they bought a cargo at a very steep discount uh, on Friday, and that discount exists because there are so few people willing to buy uh, Russian oil, the Ural's grade, as it's called, the main export grade that goes to Europe. There were very few buyers for Ural's, and Shell stepped in. But what was interesting was the reaction afterwards. Uh, the Ukrainian foreign minister said uh, some very provocative things on Twitter about how the oil must smell of blood, and, and Shell was forced to put out two statements afterwards uh, justifying its decision and saying that it had been taken in conjunction with uh, after consultations with governments. Um, I think it may have made people wary about buying Russian oil. Um, so there are buyers out there, but just how many we'll see later today when we look at the latest trades in Russian oil. 
if or sanctions were to be put in place either by the U.S. or uh, in a coordinated fashion, what kind of reconfiguration of the global supply chain in oil could we see? Well, China would probably be buying a lot more Russian oil at the moment. It buys some through pipeline from Far Eastern terminals, but it would probably be shipping more oil all the way from the Black Sea, uh, even the Baltic Sea. Likewise, India, a big oil consumer. So you're going to see a you're going to see an eastward drift in Russian oil, and that oil would be have to be replaced probably by Europe and the U.S. taking more oil in the Middle East. Uh, so you would see changes in the flows of oil around the world. There are other sources of supply in the Atlantic Basin, uh, Africa, uh, for example. But you know, globally, supplies are all very, all, already very tight, even before the war in Ukraine. Uh, you know, OPEC was having to raise production, oil prices were rising. So it's a very difficult situation, and that's why you're seeing this enormous volatility in, in crude oil prices. Yeah, we are certainly uh, watching it play out in real time right now with uh, Brent up 5.7% at $124.89 a barrel, and West Texas Intermediate right now up 6.2% at $122.89. Will Kennedy, our executive editor for Energy and Commodities at Bloomberg News. Thanks for the time this morning. Appreciate the insights. Looking at the equity markets, they're falling. S&P futures down 63 points. Dow futures down 481. And NASDAQ futures lower by 228 points. Little change to the 10-year. It's a 1.72% yield. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, showers and thunderstorms developing today, breezy with a high near 70. By tomorrow, we'll be in the upper 40s under a mostly sunny sky. Clouds in mid-40s by Wednesday, currently 61 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions just 12 to 18 basis points. And no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Up first, the latest on the war in Ukraine. Russia says it's agreed to a ceasefire to open up humanitarian corridors in some cities. But Ukraine says Moscow is still shooting near the capital, Kiev and near the port city of Mariupol, where about 200,000 civilians are trapped. The mayor of Kiev, Vitaly Klitschko, says Ukraine needs more support. We need unity. We need pressure. We need sanctions. We need uh, weapon support. The mayor of Kiev was a guest on ABC's This Week, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. Well, meantime, Karen, global stocks are selling off and oil is soaring on the prospect of a ban on Russian supplies. Bloomberg News has learned the White House is considering whether to prohibit Russian oil imports into the U.S. without the participation of allies in Europe. Here's California Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. I think there's very strong bipartisan support to cut off uh, Russian oil and gas sales to the United States, uh, it's anathema, I think, to many of us in Congress that while we were sanctioning them and trying to cripple their economy, that we would help them in any way by purchasing uh, their petroleum. Uh, but I think the administration wants to make sure that we uh, work with our allies. Congressman Adam Schiff made the comments on Face the Nation from CBS, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. 
As for the reaction in the oil market, Nathan, it originally jumped as much as 18 percent on the prospect of a ban on Russian crude. Right now, NYMEX crude oil is up more than 6 percent, and Brent is up about 6 percent itself. Gold futures jumped above $2,000 an ounce for the first time in more than 18 months, while copper and palladium hit all-time highs. As stocks sell off around the world, more analysts are downgrading their outlooks for U.S. equities. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Nathan, Yardani Research predicts the S&P 500 will drop to 4,000 by the end of this year. Chief Investment Strategist Ed Yardani says a recession cannot be ruled out given that jump in oil prices. Evercore ISI says the S&P could fall as low as 3,700. Before the war, the S&P median target for strategists was around 5,000. Now it's at about 4,300. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And the corporate, exodus, the corporate exodus from Russia continues today. Netflix, TikTok, Samsung, Visa, MasterCard, and American Express are the latest companies to either cut ties or review their operations in the country. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks. 633 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. We got an accident in Queens on the LIE westbound at Woodhaven Boulevard. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is making a campaign-style speech at a Brooklyn church. He hinted at a possible political comeback. Cuomo resigned in August after an independent investigation found he sexually harassed nearly a dozen women. Now he attributed some of his behavior to, quote, perspectives that changed, but made the point that none of the cases were substantial enough to be prosecuted. The actions against me were prosecutorial misconduct. That is clear. They didn't act in the interest of justice. The district attorneys proved that. They acted in their own self-interest. They wanted me out because they wanted my job. Cuomo Sunday called it the toughest time of his life. It's the next chapter for New York City about the COVID pandemic. Starting today, the city is dropping several mandates, including masks in schools and vaccination requirements for businesses. Also today, restaurants will no longer ask for proof of vaccination before entering. The world is about to hit a grim milestone. We're approaching 6 million deaths because of COVID. The U.S. has about 1 million deaths alone. Vice President Kamala Harris visited Selma, Alabama yesterday to commemorate a defining moment in the fight for equal voting rights. Harris linked arms with activists from the civil rights movement and led thousands across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, where on March 7, 1965, white state troopers attacked black voting rights marchers attempting to cross. Their bravery is a reminder that freedom and democracy can never be taken for granted. Vice President Harris also called for lawmakers today to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Florida state officials say all available resources, including National Guard helicopters, have been brought in to fight two large wildfires in Florida's panhandle. Governor Ron DeSantis. We are working with uh, really all hands on deck uh, to be able to mitigate this. And it's a really, really significant, uh, certainly multiple fires, a major fire, you know, out there that, that we were able to see. According to Governor DeSantis, the Florida Forest Service says two fires in Bay County are the biggest of nearly 150 wildfires in the state that are burning more than 12,000 acres. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 
Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here again is John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, nothing unusual about the Knicks grabbing a big lead. What was different last night in L.A., they held on to it. Knicks last month lost three games when they were ahead by more than 20 points. They blew a 14-point lead Friday in Phoenix. The Suns won that game on a banked-in three-pointer at the buzzer. That was the Knicks' seventh loss in a row. But in L.A., Knicks beat the Clippers 116-93. R.J. Barrett, 24 points. Great, because, you know, we've been playing extremely well overall. Definitely those couple games that we should have won, especially last game. You know, that one hurt. So to come in here today and play like that from start to finish with a man. The bench played well. Emmanuel quickly scored 21. Cam Reddish had his best game as a Nick with 17. Knicks play again tonight in Sacramento. Julius Randle got thrown out of that game in Phoenix. He shoved a player. He made contact with the ref. Randle has been fined. $50,000. In Boston, it was Kevin Durant versus Jason Tatum. KD scored 37 points. Tatum went for 54, 34 in the second half. Celtics beat the Nets 126-120. to 120. Boston's won 14 of the last 16. Brooklyn has dropped 17 of the last 20. The Nets are now under 500. Rangers won 4-1 at Winnipeg. Two more goals for Chris Kreider. Now has 38. He's tied for second in the NHL. Devils a 3-2 overtime win over St. Louis. Dougie Hamilton had the game winner. College hoops a scare for Rutgers, but the Scarlet Knights held on to top Penn State 59-58. Much needed win for Rutgers if they're able to gain entry to the upcoming NCAA tournament. Golf Scotty Scheffler, who won in Phoenix last month, won again at Bay Hill. By two shots. John Stashelwin, Bloomberg Sports. Maybe. Okay, John, thank you. It's 637 on Wall Street. We want to get more now on the commodity rally we are seeing this morning on the latest developments in the war in Ukraine. Bloomberg Intelligence Commodity Strategist Mike McGlone is with us this morning. Obviously, a lot of attention on the oil market this morning, Mike. Uh, how high could oil prices go in this environment? Hey, Nathan. Most people say unlimited levels, but if you just you look at the extremes from the Gulf War in 1990 and the all-time high in 2008, we're right about there right now. Right now, we're 2.1 times the 60-month average. I use that because it's the five-year average in crude oil. So we're at about the most extreme we've been in the last 40 years in crude oil for rallies. And what the market's doing is pricing in the risk of just the complete shutdown of supply from Russia. Number one, that's probably unlikely because that's all going to go to China. And if you just consider Russia's exports maybe 6% of total exports in the world, if we completely cut that off, we've more than priced that in. So right now we're at the stage of maximum extreme, hitting the stops, flushing out all the weak positions. But just looking at extremes for the last 40 years, we are very close right now, about $122 a barrel as the peak in 1990 and the peak in 2008 on a relative rally basis. Can you say the same about the rally we're seeing in other commodities like heavy metals, like agricultural goods? Agriculture is a little bit more different. In fact, agriculture is pretty extreme. So let's look at wheat. This is the second limit update in a row, which means there's going to be many of uh, positions are getting stopped out and they can't cover. So there'll be many people getting hurt. But this is an absolute boom for North American producers. They'll do fine. The significance is in the longer term. Russia is one of the largest suppliers of fertilizer for most countries in the world, not the U.S. The U.S. is very independent there. But they're going to have long, enduring issues with low yields, which might keep prices high for a while. So I see what you see on the screens now. To me, my main takeaway is this is going to be an absolute boom for North American commodity producers, most notably the Corn Belt, will do very well and will probably peak soon, but they'll stay well above the prices they were the last 10 years, 5, 10 years. And North American energy producers will do very well. Remember, the biggest issue in Europe right now is liquefied natural gas, and the largest liquefied natural gas 
exporter on the planet is now U.S. So what you're seeing now is going to be a boom for the producers. And if we can get a little help from our government, I think this will be like an arsenal of democracy during World War II, where the U.S. will really do well in this environment from a commodity production standpoint. Thanks for this, Mike. Good to have you on with us. Mike McGlone is a commodity strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. Just taking a look at the crude market right now, NYMEX crude's up 6.1%, up $7.01, $122.69 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. Brent, the international benchmark, is up 5.8%, up $6.91 at $125.04. Natural gas futures are up 2.7% at 5.15. As for stocks, they are moving lower with S&P futures down 67 points. Dow futures down 510. NASDAQ futures down 225 points. And the 10-year Treasury up 132nd. The yield 1.72%. Latest on the Biden administration's thinking about a Russian oil embargo. We'll check in with Bloomberg Government's Emily Wilkins next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Showers and storms today with a high near 70 degrees. Mostly sunny, breezy, cooler tomorrow, upper 40s. We'll be in the mid-40s, mostly cloudy by Wednesday. Currently 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning. NYMEX crude oil is jumping. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure again today with Dow futures currently down 468 points. S&P's dropped 62. NASDAQ futures lower by 209. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.73%. Gold is up 20. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is down by 2%. Hong Kong fell 3.9% overnight, while European markets are also under pressure, led by 3% losses in Germany. Back in the U.S. on the economic front, 3 o'clock consumer credit. And in deal news, Oasis Petroleum and Whiting are close to a deal to merge. In other news, Carl Icahn is set to sell his remaining Occidental stake. And Moody's cut Russia's credit rating further into junk territory. Wrapping things up, Mosaic cut to hold at HSBC. Citigroup cut to hold at Jefferies. Philip Morris cut to neutral at J.P. Morgan, and U.S. Steel was raised to equal weight over at Morgan Stanley. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Even as Russia announced a ceasefire starting this morning and the opening of humanitarian corridors in several areas, its armed forces continued to pummel Ukrainian cities. Rockets hit residential buildings. A large group of truck drivers who object to COVID-19 mandates drove two loops around the beltway surrounding Washington yesterday. They deliberately moved slowly to impact traffic and make their feelings known to lawmakers. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics beat the Nets 126-120. The Wizards won. In the NHL, the Devils beat the Blues in overtime 3-2. The Rangers won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. 
All right, Michael, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes infrastructure-ready graduates from civil engineers to transportation specialists. If it's infrastructure, NJIT grads are building it. More at NJIT.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A count of worldwide deaths from COVID-19 is nearing 6 million, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University and Bloomberg. The U.S. alone accounted for 16% of the last million deaths. That's the highest share of any country. COVID continues to kill thousands of people every day. Billions more remain unvaccinated, either because they lack access to the shots or are unwilling to receive them. Two years after the pandemic began, New Zealanders are finally facing its reality. After keeping the virus at bay for so long, COVID is now tearing through the nation's population, courtesy of the highly infectious Omicron variant. In the space of two weeks, new case numbers exploded from less than 1,000 a day to more than 22,000. And Apple will hold its first event of the year tomorrow, and you can expect updates of the iPhone, iPad, and Mac lines. And once again, the event will be virtual. It's also only the first of many events this year, so Apple's product news will be released gradually. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report. Nathan. Thank you, Karen. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is 6.50 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the Biden administration looking for more ways to help Ukraine as the war drags into its second week. Secretary of State Antony Blinken tells CBS's Face the Nation the U.S. is working with Poland to send fighter jets to the Ukrainians. That gets a green light. In fact, we're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to provide these fighter jets to to the Ukrainians. But the U.S. and NATO have rejected calls for a no-fly zone. Republican Senator Marco Rubio tells ABC's This Week that's the right call. People need to understand what a no-fly zone means. It's not just it's not some rule you pass that everybody has to oblige by. It's the willingness to shoot down the aircrafts of the Russian Federation, which is basically the beginning of World War III. Still, the White House is facing more pressure to sanction Russian oil and gas, even if it means higher prices at the pump. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin was on NBC's Meet the Press. Look at the gas now, $4. It wasn't because of this. Inflation's already wreaked havoc on it now. And basically, we're going to say we're going to set back now because we're afraid it might go up a little bit more. It might go up anyway, and we haven't done nothing. Meet the Press this week and Face the Nation can all be heard every Sunday right here on Bloomberg Radio. And for more, we're joined by Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins from our Bloomberg 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. So this morning after, Emily, now we are hearing that the White House is getting closer to a potential ban on Russian oil and gas imports. Yes, we saw House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who announced uh, this past week that she was supportive of such a ban, uh, tell lawmakers that the House is working on legislation that could ban Russian oil imports. Uh, We also know that the Biden administration is considering such a ban. They're debating moving forward without their European allies, at least initially. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he was in Eastern Europe over the weekend, and he told NBC's Meet the Press that the U.S. is in active discussion 
with European allies about banning Russian oil. Um, Blinken added that oil supplies, supplies would need to be insured if that happened. And there are discussions actually going on with Venezuela right now to see if they could potentially increase their production. I mean, the big concern here for the Biden administration, for Democrats in general, is that this is going to lead to higher gas prices at a time where so many Americans are already feeling squeezed by inflation. But as you heard Senator Joe Manchin say in that clip, there is also a growing sense that the U.S. needs to do whatever it can at this point to put pressure on Russia to end their invasion of Ukraine, uh, to come to the table and, and to, to, to sort of take the diplomacy route again. And so this is something that lawmakers seem very willing to do, even if it does mean that there is going to be some additional pain at the gas pump. Is this the kind of thing that Congress could go ahead with on its own? Uh, I'm asking what, what more Congress is thinking about in terms of the kinds of sanctions pressure it could put on. Yeah, so this is something where, if you remember, Congress was actually considering a sanctions package before the Biden administration moved. Part of the reason was that they couldn't come to an agreement on that. But a lot of that was about the timing of sanctions. So there is a little bit more consensus at this point now that Russia has already invaded. Um, Pelosi said that potential legislation from the House could, in addition to the oil ban, also repeal normal trade relations with both Russia and Belarus, as well as take the first steps to deny Russia access to the World Trade Organization and allow the White House to increase tariffs on Russian imports. So certainly lawmakers think that there is more that can be done here, although we don't at this point don't really have a sense of when the House might take up that piece of legislation. Pelosi said that they were exploring it, uh, which makes it sound like this won't be something that happens quickly, especially given the fact that Congress this week will be focused on passing funding so the government doesn't shut down on Friday. Oh, that's coming up as well. Okay. Now, in the meantime, yeah, there's also been some question about uh, what effect, if any, Russian sanctions could have on the Iran nuclear deal, because, of course, Russia is a party to that. And there was this demand over the weekend from Russia that uh, any sanctions wouldn't have any impact on their trade with Iran. What's the White House response to that? I mean, they are saying at this point, um, Anthony Blinken, uh, told CBS that it's really not in Russia's interest for Iran not to be able to have a nuclear weapon, um, that Russia, you know, that there is a reason that they need to be at the table um, and discussing this. And, um, you know, over the weekend, there was uh, some major progress made. Uh, Iran did agree to help the International Atomic Energy Agency finish this contentious investigation into the country's past actions. And so it does seem like progress is being made with the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, One of the big hurdles left is that Anthony Blinken still needs to meet with his Israeli counterpart, and Israel has really opposed this deal. And so there is one of the challenges that, that remains at this point. Many challenges uh, coming out of Washington that I know you're going to be keeping on top of for the days and weeks to come. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from the nation's capital. You can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal and follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 6.56 on Wall Street, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. March is Women's History Month, and every day this month we are celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now with your installment for March 7th, here is Bloomberg's Renita Young. 
On this day in women's history in 2010, Catherine Bigelow becomes the first woman to win an Academy Award for Best Director. It was for The Hurt Locker. Bigelow studied painting at the San Francisco Art Institute. In the early 1970s, she moved to New York City to participate in the Whitney Museum's independent study program. She soon became interested in filmmaking and eventually earned a scholarship to the Graduate Film School at Columbia University. After graduation, she began working on her first feature-length movie, The Loveless, which she co-wrote and co-directed. Bigelow had a stint at teaching at the California Institute of the Arts in the 1980s before returning to the big screen. She continued to be a box office success with several films and solidified her place in the traditionally male-dominated world of action films. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And right now, futures are lower. S&P futures down 53 points, Dow futures down 406, and NASDAQ futures down 188. Ten-year Treasury down 330 seconds, yield 1.74%. And the yield on the two-year is at 1.49%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 7.1% at $123.89 a barrel. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow. This is Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.